What's going on, Bitcoin accumulation country? My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. It's season three, and this is episode three. So I hope everybody's having a great week. Thanks again for joining me. I've got a very interesting conversation with a gentleman named Pete Wynn. Now, I recently met him on Twitter. He put out a, a tweet about essentially an idea uh, for possibly a project that could be built, let's say, using Lightning on top of Lightning, uh, but that would also leverage L2. The idea is called Lockbox. And joining me now is Mr. Pete Wynn. I hope you enjoy my chat. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I have an interesting guest that I just recently met on Twitter who uh, who tagged me in a, in a tweet. And uh, his name is Pete Wynn. And he, uh, I'll just explain it like this, okay? He explains this this concept on uh, on Lightning, uh, lock called Lockbox. Lockbox builds on channel factories, allowing a market of service providers to offer trustless smart contract enforcement on Bitcoin without tokens or shitcoins. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, that is. That, that's very cool. And, and it's, I mean, in, in all honesty, for me, it's definitely above my head, but I, I had to, I had to bug him and, and I had to get him on my podcast to, uh, to talk about this. Um, so Pete, I, I really appreciate this, man. You're all the way across the pond for me. And uh, I really appreciate on short notice, uh, you joining me on the pod. So thank you very much. All right. Uh, pleasure. <laughs> pleasure to be here. I like the poetic license you took there. I think I wrote alt- altcoins originally, but uh, I think that gets the message across a bit better. <laughs> I, I had to I had to throw in a personal spin, you know. You're being respectful yeah. and uh you know and, and, and we appreciate that that you're being respectful. <laughs> but you um, can probably dig out the previous versions on GitHub of this where it is just laced with snarky comments from myself <laughs> to myself <laughs> about shit coins, but I thought I should pull them out. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, okay, so look, so before we get into uh, before we get into lockbox, I mean, unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but it, it's definitely like it's it's a bit of like a layered concept because lockbox depends on the channel factories and and L two, if I'm not mistaken. So we're gonna be we're we're gonna be getting a little more technical on the fun with Bitcoin podcast today, I think. Um, so this should be interesting. But before we get into all the technicals, I I always like to go into the rabbit hole story, man. So. You know what? Uh, you know, be, what got you into Bitcoin? You know, and how did you end up here? Yeah, um, probably a bit of an accident. So, in it would have been in 20, 2017. Well, probably more like twenty sixteen. I started off with a with a little side project that I was developing, a thing called Karma Pay, and the idea of this was it was completely non crypto. It was just the idea was. Could we take a more free market approach to charity and philanthropy? So instead of relying on somebody like the UN to correctly administer $100 billion of aid, and then that turns into you know, about $5 billion actually gets to the other end, is there a better way we could do this from the bottom up? And I, was, I had this, this concept that we were piloting over in Australia, whereby every time you paid for something on your phone, instead of the money that would have previously gone to the bank, uh, we take that money in fees and then we just donate that money on your behalf into a project. So we started off building some schools and the idea was like every time you bought a coffee, you'd see exactly which school that you built. And then over time you get more information back from that school. So you see like the kids turning up and going to school and the happy faces and the rest of it. And we just build this like really highly personal 
uh, so we call like impact portfolio of like all these things that you've helped just by going and spending money and doing what you were going to do anyway. Um, and as part of that, that sort of led me into a blockchain space because somebody kept telling me like, oh, you should think about Bitcoin and you should think about blockchain in this space. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? <laughs> so I ended up listening to a, it was a podcast that Tim Ferriss did with Nick Zabo and Naval back in the day. It's like my favorite ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I recommend it to and everyone. Yes. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And like, it seems like quite level-headed and <laughs> like sometimes you follow Nick on Twitter and you think, oh, you're fairly aggressive. Yeah. But <laughs> it doesn't, it's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good podcast. And listening to that, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. There's something else here. Like it's not just about the money because I couldn't see putting the payments in there because I thought, well, that's just added friction. That just means no one's going to use it. But but maybe there is something there in the trust layer around, you know, if I have to give out this money on the back end, maybe I could use sort of Bitcoin or Ethereum or something to do that. Now, for my sins, I, I thought, well, maybe Ethereum would be better because it has programmable smart contracts. And I, so I started to go down that path. And then I, I just I turned off to it. So I have a reasonably like I describe myself as non-technical, but non-technical in the extent that I do work in technology to like design systems and implement them and manage things, but I don't write the actual code. But because I do a lot of um, sort of systems architectures for, for businesses, like it, it just never made sense to me that you would need something quite as inefficient as Ethereum just to run what should be these like tiny moments of your code that actually need to be distributed. So I started to just kind of like think around other ways of doing this. And that sort of got me thinking about Bitcoin a lot more, where I was like, well, look, if I want to move money across borders, then Bitcoin's going to be better because it's more liquid. So can I do a smart contract version on Bitcoin? And I thought, well, you know, an Ethereum token is kind of just like a big Bitcoin multi-sig that lots of people have. So you could do that, like to control the money and the flows and, and things. And I, I just sort of started moving away from Ethereum. And then I, I think I started listening to um, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> and uh, I think this is probably a strange one for the, the modern Bitcoiner, but I probably got converted to, to Bitcoin from Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast because I... I was putting in a deck in my garden when I was waiting for a new job to start. And I had about two months where they were clearing all the background checks. And, and in that time, I listened to about 100 episodes of Let's Talk Bitcoin, but it was all the old stuff. And they used to just be really, they just used to bag out Ethereum like all the time on there. And, it would always, and generally it was around this concept of like, yeah, it, it's a thing, it's just not, not money. <laughs> And like, they would just bag out the tokens and the DAO and all of that. And that kind of, I was like, yeah, this it doesn't, it just doesn't really make sense. I think it's all about, it's all about Bitcoin. And then I just, then I started listening to crypto voices and noted and various different things. And then about like a month later, I was, I was converted into, into a Bitcoin. I, mean, I just think it makes sense. Like, I don't think there's a lot that you can do that requires something like an ethereum to do it like i think there's there's other ways that you would do this sort of stuff that make a lot more pragmatic sense in the real world which is kind of i guess where this lockbox stuff comes from so that's yeah a, that <laughs> so, is man a bit rambly no no not at all that's absolutely awesome 
Like that's you know it's 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 interesting, right? Because you know we we kind of like when we don't. I think, you know what it is? I think that at some point we kind of get confused, right? Because it, it gets all very, um, it, it gets it gets all, like, it, it kind of gets overwhelming, right? You have, like, all this tech, right? You know, it's like you've got all this tech, you've got all these ideas, and then you, you start to realize, well, wait a second, you know, like, you know, Bitcoin isn't about moving fast and breaking things. You know, Bitcoin does what it does, and it does it well, and it does it consistently, and we can build upon it, but it takes time. And because we can't move fast and break things, it's usually not really the high time preference people and builders that are going to want to build on Bitcoin. So I think yep. that this is how they end up on Ethereum, because you can move fast and break things on Ethereum and nobody seems to give a shit. So. That's you know, probably true. It's like, it's like, <laughs> it's a little, well, it's you know, true or not. That's just my opinion. So, <laughs> but yeah. um Okay, so uh, I, I mean, look, you know, so you uh, did? Did you ever? Did you? Uh, I mean, throughout this whole path, did you ever end up buying any shit coins? Did you ever end up like? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, because this. Yeah, because this was all twenty seventeen, and I'd hype time. And I, I, so I live in uh, Perth in in WA in West Australia. Sorry, um, and it's it's not a hotbed of. Bitcoins, it's probably, there are some. We've started, started to find each other now. But there are, there's a lot of uh, shitcoinery and <laughs> blockchainers and, and stuff. And you think it's hard not to get a little bit caught up when you've got these local ICOs that are raising, you know, I think they're, so some of Power Ledger was based over here. I think they raised about $30 million and then all of a sudden it would have been, yeah, yeah like Dude. 40, 50, 16. You're like, what the fuck? What's going on? <laughs> but so, so really, I, I was mainly like just looking at Ethereum and Bitcoin because I, I just couldn't see why anything else would make sense. And then I had a couple of speculative little gambles that just didn't go anywhere but were kind of meaningless. Um, and then I just went and I've basically effectively been shorting ETH. So I had my ETH shorts on since, <laughs> for, since it was probably about like 0.9. So, so any ETH I did, I uh, I did have, I I got a decent price for it compared to its current. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um. So okay. So look. So how about we? Uh, all right. So let's we'll fast forward over to the uh, the lockbox idea, right? So okay. Hmm. So let me go take a look over here at the uh, at the tweet, and. All right, let's let's try to explain this, right? So we've got we've got lightning channels, okay? Yeah. And then the idea put forth by by Christian Decker um, is the um, the channel factories, okay? Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, though, if I'm not mistaken, though, the channel factories is about grouping the individual channels, or is it more than that? I I'm not really I, I like I, I haven't done that much about uh, you know research yeah. about it so I only know a very cursory you know cursory information. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So my <laughs> I mean I I got interested in this about so I think I tagged uh, tagged it in the that tweet but there's a Stefan Levera podcast like 56 or something like that I think. Let's have a look. I it's in there somewhere. Um, 
where he talks through channel factories with Christian Decker. And I, I, I think I've been through that thing about 10 times by this point, because just on hearing it the first time, I thought this is the most interesting thing because they've effectively created like a shared UTXO. And then all of the, the channels and everything else that's built on top of that actually never really touches the chain unless it has to. And so you have this this weird concept where you're spinning up lightning channels, but they're completely off chain. And it's done in a way by having this like layer after layer of um, different transactions that can just replace all the other transactions as they collapse down. So you can see like deterministically like how this set of transactions would get enforced on the blockchain. And therefore that gives you the security that you can treat it as though it were recorded in the blockchain, which is which was just really a bit of a head fuck, but quite, I assume swearing is okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to like simplify like what you're explaining the, uh, um, it's, it's almost yeah. like it's just a proof. It's like a temporary proof just so you can move to the next step. Yeah. Like you make one, like you need a UTXO to yeah. start with that has to be the base for this. Right. But then that UTXO has got scripts against it. And as long as you know how those scripts would be applied, you can kind of treat them as though they have been applied. Yeah. And then like the way I intuit this in my head, and I don't know if this is going to be more or less complex for people is if you've got any like interest in popularist quantum mechanics <laughs> and you think about like there's this there's this concept of you know you have like a wave function and that can go off in many different ways and you could be in you know the world where you know you you rang me on zoom earlier and it worked straight away or we could be on the world where we've gone through like 10 different video conferencing solutions for this and we're, we're talking now and you don't know which world you're in until it's observed but they all exist in a way and then at, at some point in the future you kind of like collapse all that down and you realize that, oh you're in this one where this happened and it's a little bit like that in the sense that we've got all of these outputs to this bit so this one utxo could have 10 different outputs that are all real and all possible but when we actually collapse it all down you're only in one which is that last one that's got that most valid allocation to it and like once i started to understand that i thought oh this is really powerful because you can kind of you can just play out the future without affecting the chain at all but you know what would happen. So as long as you've then got enough, um, I guess, value inside that that channel, then as it collapses, you can, yeah, it will it will get the security you need, but you can just intuit that that's there all along. So I found that quite powerful. And I thought, well, what could you do with those different futures that, that could be interesting? And I, I think that's really what I'm taking advantage of in the lockbox thing. Like, it's not really adding anything else it's just saying like okay well if we've got channel factories and they behave in this way and when we collapse these um agreements down we know what's going to happen then we can use that to incentivize some some user behavior in the background so if i know so we've got a bet and i know that as that bet closes i i need to pay you 10 bitcoins let's say and i think oh well, i'd prefer not to <laughs> but if i pay you 10 bitcoins and i get one bitcoin back but if I don't pay you the 10 Bitcoins, then Dave over here comes in and he just activates that you get paid your 10 Bitcoins and he takes my extra Bitcoin. Well, I may as well just pay you the 10 Bitcoins. And so I thought you could layer these in a way that it makes it more obvious that, that people would act tr truthfully. So I think there was a bet on um, 
crypto on crypto sorry bitcoin twitter <laughs> between uh <laughs> we have to edit 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 that out. <laughs> oh no don't worry um, so this is between udi and loomdart around like how low ETH would get on the ratio which is interesting i think he missed it by like a week like one week more and it would have got there but and the, i think it was for like a, a grand or a bitcoin or something like this and i think like the, the truth was that Udi did pay out in the background. But I can imagine a lot of these bets wanting to be made and them just never getting paid out. But there'd be a group of people you could ask, like, all right, well, would you be willing to sign, you know, cryptographically sign a message that says, like, you know, this was that value at this point in time and stake your reputation on it. And then we'll just encode this transaction in a way where it'll just go through as long as you do that. And so that's the sort of what I'm getting at. So make, would it be useful if I kind of, Maybe maybe we just like walk through the thread because there's the there's the oh, much yeah. longer version on GitHub. But oh yeah, <laughs> if I if I walk through the thread and try and call out what I'm saying, that might help. Exactly. Yeah, we'll definitely walk through the thread and we'll uh, we'll be posting uh, posting a link to the thread in the show notes. We're also going to post a link to uh, Stefan Levera's podcast. Um, yeah, cool. The the episode that you that you mentioned in the thread. You know, so the listeners, yeah. if they want, they can capture that too, so they can get all the sides. You know. Yeah. All right. So, so I feel like I need to make a caveat here that, as we discussed before we start recording, I'm not actually a programmer. I do, and you wouldn't want me to be. So, <laughs> so that's good. And so there could be things in here that just don't make sense, like as you get to the lower level implementation aspects. But mostly, my my work is in sort of high level design and how you actually get people to adopt stuff. So I just thought this was interesting and worth writing out. Um, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Go on. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say that up for. And so this is very much a me thinking out loud piece <laughs> that I wanted to get out of my head. And then I figured that somebody would just say, oh, no, Greg Maxwell already said this. And then we just go, OK, cool. Well, that's that's where that is. Now, at least I know this exists. And, it's somewhere else but then if it's useful somebody else can pick it up and build it and make a company out of it that would be grand go for it um cool so to so start off so the lockbox being the interacting signing protocol allowing peers to agree on timing and enforcement terms for an interactive concept <laughs> contract setup um so what i was getting at here is i so again i was doing i was doing some thinking around what smart contracts actually were. I was trying to justify to myself in words, like why I don't think there's any value in Ethereum. And so I was writing this up as part of an article in draft called uh, like smart contracts will be hired. And it's just this point of like, well, why would you ever park your, your money inside like effectively like the gas for a smart contract? You wouldn't, you'd keep your money in money. When you need to use a smart contract for the 10 seconds that you need that, you would swap into it, execute the thing and swap out, and then you would have some money. But the output would be that you actually got paid money <laughs> for the asset. So there might be places where assets live, there might be places where money lives. And then the contracting piece, just it just doesn't make sense. It's like a, it's a temporary, temporary mechanism that you go through. And I thought, well, so as in thinking about well, what's that smart contract, I was like, well, really all it is is a set of set of rules that you know are going to get enacted and then an outcome will happen and a payment will be made. And the thing that you really want to do is make sure that that payment gets made. Yeah. And so, 
And so what popped into my head, like, I think it was literally like last Tuesday before I was about to go to bed was, oh, I could just do like what he did with channel factories and then I could just have all the payments there. And then it has an incentive that makes it paid. I was like, oh, oh, that sounds useful. So I made a note on my phone and then went to bed and then sort of woke up the next day at, at work and I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. And that's when I wrote that GitHub article. I more or less just sat down for eight hours and bashed it out. <laughs> but yeah, so that was the, the idea there is just that as long as you know that the payment will be made, if that result is correct, then you've effectively got it. Not It's not like a, it's not a smart contract that could do anything, but it is a smart contract that could make get a payment made for you. So, oh, well, that could be useful. So the next next part of the thread is about, so we've got a set of these pre-signed transactions. Yeah, so the idea here is that you've got, I think I, I call this on the GitHub, but there's like kind of three types of transactions. So you've got like happy path, which is number one, which is that if you've got, so say I, I'm making a bet with yourself, and I, I say, okay, it's 10, 10 Bitcoins that team A wins. And you say, okay, well, I'll take your bet and I'm going to back team B. And we say, okay, well, I'm willing to pay 0.1 Bitcoin to make sure this bet goes through. And so, okay, well, how do we know who's going to adjudicate this? And we say, okay, so there's a, there's, this is the example in the actual GitHub article. We say, okay, well, Dave over here, Dave's been publishing the results of football matches on his website for the last... 10 years he seems to know that they're correct we both agree with that so we could just use whatever it says on dave's site and we say to dave oh can you just hold a copy of these transactions and then if if i don't pay up or you don't pay up then we let dave just adjudicate and do that and that concept's been around in bitcoin for quite a while is that you could just have like a two or three multi-sig and get the same thing and so the idea here would be that there's the happy path set of transactions which is just me and you at any point in time i can just give you a pre-image that allows you to then just broadcast a transaction which claims the bet but then pays me back my bond so that extra 0.1 bitcoin so that's that's what we'd that's what we'd want to happen if i decide oh shit i, I wish i didn't make that bet <laughs> and and i'm unwilling to give you that happy path then what we've effectively done is had a second set of transactions that only come live at a specific uh point in time so we we do a time lock on these ones so we say like after block time xyz now there's a set of transactions that dave could use to enforce here so effectively there's like a little hook that allows dave as an off-chain party because he he doesn't have a blockchain he's just dave mm -hmm. who publishes football results on the internet he can come along and say well here's a here's a transaction that just says i evaluated this game this was the result here's an here's the, the pre-image that i got from from pete who's the loser of the bet that allows me to pay uh, to pay yourself coin icarus i don't know if you want <laughs> i don't know if you use your name in your podcast apologies i use oh. both oh, coiny <laughs> i'm in australia so i've got to call you coino like that. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome so that's so that's that but then and then we say well let's just throw in a third a third set of transactions because we may as well um which is a further time lock which is to say like okay well what happens if dave just doesn't doesn't bother responding in that time and we might say okay well if if it all goes to shit we all get our money back and so i get my money I, and you get your money and you get your bond and i get my bond or we could say well if it all goes to crap all the money is burnt or better yet all the money goes to btc pay or all the money goes to tour or something like that that we could agree so you could have these sort of like worst case scenarios because <laughs> that then puts um puts a limit on dave to say look you, you're going to want to do this because if you do it in this time 
you're going to get paid a grand. But if you don't, it's mutually assured destruction all around. It just goes goes off to some some sort of project in the background. So that's what I mean by these like pre-signed transactions. Is we've got these like free time horizons where where one of three different things can happen is like either we can do it fairly and everybody's happy, or the third party comes in and adjudicates the bet. They get paid, and the person who welched on the bet gets punished a little bit. Or we've got this third version where it's just everybody gets screwed, and so everybody's kind of incentivized <laughs> to deal with it. That's so actually that's pretty setup. good. Yeah, and all that is is really just a set of transactions with with timeouts. So there's nothing really special there. Like I, I'm so curious. I think you probably do that now, and I feel like this is a little bit like how. Um, have you seen the predictions market on Hoddle Hoddle? Um, no, I haven't. Yeah, so I've I heard they about do it. A similar but I sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, theirs might be a little bit simpler. It's just like a two or three multi-sig where they then just adjudicate those mm. bets. But effectively, they're just signing that things happened, and that signature then creates, pays out a thing that happened between two peoples. Well, this... so they, they've got the same sort of concept concept there. Yeah, but this sounds like it would have some some added complexity to it because you'd be able to handle more more outcome scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I, f I feel like all we're really doing here is just creating this little hook where Dave could be whatever you want, right? Like he's, we start off by, it's easy to imagine just a person that's, that we both know adjudicated a bet. So that's a useful model. But, you know, that person could be five people that all have to agree on the outcome of that thing. Or it could be a million people that all have to agree on the outcome of that thing. And, and so when we, we talk about this concept of there's a market for enforcement, that's that's really what we're getting out there is like once you've created this hook then we don't really have to tell you how you solve that oracle problem or who you need to trust you can let a market decide by saying right well you know maybe we go uh, the trouble is dave could screw us in this moment like if he didn't like me but my team still won he could go i'm just gonna i'm just gonna send the other message that punishes pete because he's a prick so then all of a sudden <laughs> I've lost my money. So maybe say, oh, look, I don't quite trust Dave, but I trust Dave, Phil, and Jen sort of thing to do this. As long as two out of three of those agree, then we should be all right. And so that's when you start to get into this, right? Well, what's, what's the construct of that signing party? And that's where I think it's, it's kind of interesting. Like it's just, once you've got that hook, you can do a lot of this stuff off chain. And the off chain bit is really like where that, um, I guess, quote unquote, Oracle or smart contract lives is you just need a way of coordinating the act, act, activity between all those people. But the outcome is a Bitcoin transaction is reliably paid. That's so right. It gives you that Bitcoin smart contracting for off, off chain uh, activity. Execution. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I said, I'm going to go back to my previous caveat, very much thinking out loud on this. So if anybody actually wants to like. <laughs> get on a whiteboard and work it through and see if it makes sense then i'm open to to request for that okay so i think the next bit we move on to is right now we've got a market of enforcement services provide the oracles at different price points yeah so the idea here is that there are trade-offs in all these so one person versus 10 people versus 50 people you've got different trade-offs around privacy speed trustlessness security um what else we got in there yeah like it's this is how much do you trust dave how much do you trust 10 daves how much do you like what price would you be willing to pay to make that difference and i think what i said to you on twitter yesterday is that you know 
like this could be a mechanism for having Ethereum run that smart contract and then produce the image that then allows you to get paid. But in reality, the question you've now got is right, well, at what price point or for what particular transaction is it worthwhile having a world computer do this before having a 10 computers do this yes because one of the you know one of the weird things in that architecture is that every computer has to do everything that happens anywhere on the network and you're like well we're surely like only the people that are involved in this stuff need to do this stuff so do you think like if you know if there's a a network of a thousand different people that all report on and enforce the results of football matches like that is likely to be more efficient and it's a little bit inefficient but you know you're probably going to get a good outcome but it's probably more efficient than like everybody in the world doing the thing so like everybody validating it yeah so i'm again like trying to steer away from like what is the correct answer to just like look what we need here is a market that finds the correct price point and you could pay less and you could have a less trustless version you could pay more and you have a more trustless version so and in this version Sorry, with that lockbox transact that setup, what you've got it's trustless in the manner that the only money that uh, sort of Dave could ever get is the money that we've agreed that he could have. Everything else is already a transaction that pays my address or your address or the Oracle's address. So we kind of know where the money's going to end up. So we can't steal the money in any way, and we've always got the option of cutting him out by just being fair. <laughs> So, sorry, you were about to ask something. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's okay. I was just – so essentially um, – oh, my gosh. I think I, uh, I think I forgot the idea. It'll That's come okay. back. It'll right, come I'll, back. I'll, I'll go on. Just interrupt. It'll come back. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so, so next bit, number six, we've got – so the enforcement service is trusted to correctly sign and broadcast the transaction, so they need to have that knowledge. Yeah, so now we're getting into – look, we, we need to have trusted that there's – a party, be that Dave, be that Dave network that understands these results and will sign these transactions. And we could expect him rationally to do this because we're actually going to pay him. And then that's where I think what you'd see is that you'd get like different networks would evolve and they just pre-offer this. So it's not that you go to liquid sidechain and say, oh, is there any chance that you guys could start recording football results on this? You just have somebody would develop that network and say, look, I've got a network of football results. This is useful information. I'm going to put this out there. And then these guys over here, you can write, you can just run bets on that. That's fine. Like it's all perfectly legit. But I think what you'd see is the, the, the entrepreneurship in this case would be in the, okay, well, what are the interesting bits of information that we think people would want to speculate on? And how do we get them reliably online and backed up with this reputation? So again, you might have, you know, 20 people recording the football results here and another group of 20 people. But these guys have been doing it for, for five years and I can inspect their chain and this independent authority over here has inspected it. And they say, actually, yeah, they do actually always sign the correct outputs for this. So that's more reliable. So they charge a higher price than these guys, but these guys can just compete by charging less until they catch up. And the only point that I wanted to make was this, right? Uh, for what you said before, not everybody needs to be involved. Only the people involved need to be involved, right? So yep. you, you have that smaller set of transactions happening on a different level, right? That would essentially be running in this, uh, essentially like on, on this lockbox layer, okay? Yep. And, and the only transaction that takes place on chain is the finalized output, 
Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So in my head, this is, and again, I would want somebody that knows what they're talking about as opposed to myself to fact check this. But is that that would effectively like be a, a tap script with many different endpoints, and the only endpoint that we then redeem is the one that's there. So if I if I decide to just pay out the bet, the footprint on chain would be that I just sent you ten Bitcoin and got. 0.1 Bitcoin back, which was my bond. That's all that would be there. And so it it would just look like a standard payment. You wouldn't really know what was going on. Hmm. Now, Dave might have a whole bunch of information off to the side. And, you know, how trustworthy is Dave? <laughs> you know, who knows? He, he looks dodgy. He's pretty skinny and he wears big shorts, which is odd. <laughs> is he a shitcoiner? But, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the picture of Dave on the GitHub? No, I haven't. I haven't gotten he's wearing, to that he's point wearing a yet. Pair, he's wearing a pair of ETH shorts, which was my little Easter egg for Hoodie. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And they're big ETH shorts. <laughs> so he's, he's, a, he's a big some heavy, Some heavy bags. Yeah. Some heavy yeah. bags. <laughs> yeah. So then on to number seven, we talk about this concept of, like, okay, well, could you use non-economic side chains, which just record facts? And then it, we kind of avoid this peg because you could, again, if you've got a smart contracting side chain, like a liquid, then you can peg your Bitcoin into it. The Bitcoin exists over there for a bit. You can run all this stuff and then you could come back out of it. I think you can kind of avoid having to do that peg in in this way by saying, well, if we if we took the concept of a side chain, we said, like, look, there's no token on this. It's just a group of people signing facts. And in the way that we, we generate those facts sometimes coincides with a pre-image, which happens to cause a payment to happen over here on the Bitcoin network. Then all of a sudden you can kind of say, well, again, like, could you just have like 20 people that all agree to sign these things? The same signatures that they use to sign those these facts also just correspond to this multi-sig wallet that they've got over here. And we say, look, I will send money into that multi-sig wallet if you sign these facts in this way and then that allows me to use a pre-image over here to unlock this bitcoin transaction of our particular tap script hmm. output and so so you say well now you don't actually need to ever have this this peg in and peg out because the bitcoin is always i mean bitcoin never leaves the blockchain as yeah it only ever gets locked up right but you know, I mean, we can reliably say what's going to happen to that Bitcoin based on something that just happens over here in the signing network. There's not really anything to do with it. But as long as we've both got some software which monitors this network and this network, then we can do that. So you have to sort of build that sort of architecture. So you, so now you, this is where that layered, there's like a little layer diagram in the, in the GitHub article says like, okay, well, first of all, we assume everybody's running on IP. Then we assume everybody's running Bitcoin nodes. Then we assume everybody's running Lightning nodes because we need to sit above that as well. And then above that, there's some software that can talk to the Bitcoin node, can talk to the Lightning node, and can talk to other versions of itself. So like how BISC would sit above this sort of stuff. And then in doing that, we can now, those two pieces of software can coordinate to sign this set of transactions. And then because we know that they're already signed, they're locked away in Bitcoin, we can check that they're there on chain, or at least that they're that they're all pre-signed in a lightning channel that would collapse this way back to on-chain, it's probably the appropriate way of saying it. Well, then now we can make that bet and we know what's going to happen as an outcome to this. And so we say, okay, well, that same piece of software can also look at this. Let's, I'll just say liquid because it's easier to use that as the name for sidechains. It can look at these liquid outputs and if it spots this pre-image, it broadcasts 
it's now got a transaction it can broadcast which would close off this bet in the correct manner so all you're really doing with the sidechain is just trusting them to publish facts so i think in my mind that then becomes well why wouldn't you just have like you know a million companies around the world that all just publish facts and they would do that as efficiently as they could and then we just happen to hook into whichever one we think is the right network did that make any sense oh yeah yeah no yeah, it, okay, it, it, cool. it did it, it actually i mean look don't get me wrong the idea totally makes sense and it's the, the the question is how difficult is it to do it practically right and to make it a user experience where somebody isn't you know what i mean where somebody doesn't have to be extremely you know either like computer savvy or something like that to make it happen yeah you know what i mean like like to an end user to a to a user what you're explaining they shouldn't even really see they should oh, no, no, you know what God, i mean no. like it's like <laughs> it's like this is all the complexity in the background yeah yeah and and as i say like, i i'm pretty sure we need l2 for this because i think yeah. it's that's what allows us to do these replaceable allocations that's what i was going to ask you model where I'm does not sure if we actually need this to live on channel factories but then again you may as well because why would you not want to do it in off-chain channels if you could but that's where i get a little bit fuzzy on the details and i need to do some more work well this i think the the interactive components of this for the ui i think really just comes down to how you build the software because you've you've got this and i think this is probably the next thing i might do is just to map out the flow for these things which is that you just need to guide a person through this concept where they go all right well let's say there's a network called bitmex bitmex is actually a hundred people that just sign bitcoin price data and make that available so that people can run um derivative contracts off that which are basically bets against other people to say i will pay you some money in the future at this point if the price is xyz mm -hmm. and you can say okay so bitmex bitmex do this and they just publish all this information and make it available then we can start making bets against each other based on the bitcoin price at particular periods in time and what we'd say is all right well step one who are we going to use to make the bet so there'd be a bit of software called bitmex lockbox and what this does is it says, okay, well, I'm going to go to BitMEX and get the price. And you can fill, you say, look, there's a set of prices over here. And this is a price stream that we're going to use. And I can select price stream. And then it will say, like, okay, well, what's your, what's the product that you're trying to change, that you're trying to trade? And the product would be like, in 30 days, I'm going to bet that there's a 10%. We're going to close with a 10% increase in Bitcoin price. And I'm willing to bet X for a payment of Y. And then somebody else can come along and take that bet because they're also using bitmex lockbox software which just connects to that network gets the price details brings it back down and says okay well here we go now we have two different sets of two different people running the same application um, and they uh they agree to the price stream they agree to the time of the bet they agree that they'll pay bitmex um 0.1 bitcoin at the end of the resolution of this to make sure that that trade happens mm -hmm. and then we we hit a button and it just creates this little lockbox thing in the background and you've got no idea of it. And they said, okay, well, you've now got a position of X, which will pay out this at this period in time. If you want to settle it beforehand, you can reduce your fee to Y. 
if you don't it's going to get enforced anyway so you may as well and you could always have if if you've already got the price stream coming into that app that app could just close it out for you on your behalf because it's effectively mm. like a little uh, hot wallet for it uh if not you could press a button and do it depending on on how it works but, but yeah so i think you would have what you'd have effectively is these software components would actually be the wallets as it were of the network providers that just happen to sit above bitcoin lightning that's just the rails for this did that make sense <laughs> okay it did but i'm thinking is this going to be this sounds like it's going to be custodial this sounds like no, no? okay I, i'm hoping not but i'm just like i'm picturing in my mind okay so if we're using an app or we're, we're using a like it, it I, I guess okay. So hold on a second. So the the common platform, there's nothing custodial about it. It's really just like a meeting space in a way. Yeah, it's, if, it's, if, really, it's if, just if the way of like orchestrating this. that yeah. setup. Is okay. Well, let's think about it. Okay. Okay. Because these actual contracts, if you think about it, you've got in set one, it's effectively sat in a two of two. So you've got your redeem script would say something like that. We could both sign a, uh, a message to get out of this. So that might be like one transaction we've got in there, which is that if we both sign a message that says, okay, we want to call this off, then we just pay it to these outputs, which are, um, sorry, pay, to, pay the outputs to these addresses, which just backs everything out. And that could be our first thing if we both agree. The next message might say, you can sign a message using this, like I can sign a message using this pre-image, which will then give the money to you. And I hold that one. You hold one that says, I can sign a message with this pre-image and it gives the money to Pete. And that's just the resolution of the bet in a happy way. And then the next bit, all you've got is a set of transactions that would say, okay, well now BitMEX can sign a message that will pay you and it will claim a bond. So they don't actually own your money or hold your money at any point in this. The money's just sat in this construct. And you already know that the worst thing that could happen to this is that it could get paid like part of you the bond that you've already agreed should go to these guys goes to those guys if they enforce the contract that you've deliberately entered into so you don't actually send them your money and then you set up the contract you just pre-sign a set of transactions and if it goes that could through. be enforced in this way yes and you could and you've always got the option of just backing out beforehand if you put that option in so it's so yeah you, it's just it's sort of weird because you actually don't really move the Bitcoin anywhere. I mean, because again, we do all this off chain like 50 times before we ever actually bother with the, before we move anything, with the blockchain. Yeah. The weird thing. Right. Like, and then you go, this is, I think this is where it's just really hard to understand what's going on here. Cause we've just had so long in like layer one world that you think, well, but hang on a minute. Who's got the Bitcoin? That's what you have. Like there's still, it's basically like it's there's just you've got your utxo and then there's a whole bunch of different unbroadcast transactions which may exist but like they're the, they're sort of like the sperms that never made it yeah <laughs> maybe that's better than the quantum maybe we can all appreciate that more than the quantum <laughs> analogy that's a better one we'll use sperm um so that's we've got awesome. all these like sperms that never made it and then it's like well which one do we give to the egg <laughs> at the end of it and so you could like be tossing these off like left, right, and center, as it were, for for like months until you go, okay, well, I'm going to close down this this betting account now. And then that's when I close my channel. We collapse all those transactions back down, and all of this just happened in the background, but never got committed. But because it could have been committed at any time, it it's it's all valid. Like it's it existed it's, temporarily. It's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. So. I, 
So I think the next question, like when you when you jumped on to onto Twitter, like it was okay. Well, what's the use case? Yeah. So, so the initial thing with with this was I was thinking like, look, it makes a lot of sense to me around prediction markets and betting. Mm-hmm. I think I think if you've got tradi- like prediction markets and betting, then like the the other thing that we don't call prediction markets and betting, but which is is exchanges. <laughs> so if you can do betting in this manner, then you can start to build these. I think non-custodial financial products. So, like that's—I mean—that's why I chose that <laughs> Bitmex wording. There was like, you could potentially here have like a non-custodial version of Bitmex, but it's—it's it's not as fine-grained in what it could do, so it might not be as efficient. Because if you ask me, like the major trade-off that I see with this at the moment is that maybe you could do another if you actually went into a full smart contracting platform is that you could have. Is you can't do any granularity on the payouts necessarily, or at least you've got to have different tricks to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can agree that I pay in this if event X happens, I pay you one, but if event Y happens, you pay me one, and we can do that. But we can't necessarily say, well, if event X happens 50%, I pay you half because we don't have a half signed transaction. Mm-hmm. Now, theoretically, yeah. we could sign, you know, like say we're it's a bet for one we could sign 10.1 transactions and then you could have all of those available and say okay well you as the oracle now releases five of the point ones to get there so there is there's some flexibility in there but it, it feels it's more clunky than what you could do if you know that contract actually executes and sends the payment which is what happens more so in a, a full quote-unquote smart contract world so I think that I mean there are trade-offs there. I think you you know you are still trusting this third party, but again I think the interesting thing is that we we always trust a third party, and so, this is always my sorry. No, so I was gonna say you're trusting a third party, but you're not. You're only trusting a third party for a certain portion, and to me, it it, it from from everything I've understood, I'm not trusting a third party with my Bitcoin. So that's all I really give a shit about. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's I yeah, mean, same. I mean, I think I feel like you're trusting them to do what you've paid them to do. Yeah, exactly. But Which, that's, that, that's that's like, like asking somebody for a right, service. That's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that, that's yeah, like so. that's like you offering me a service, and I'm trusting you to do what you're going to do. And should you fulfill your part of the bargain, I must fulfill mine. Which is yeah, which like fair, right? Yeah, fair. exactly. Which is like totally, a, I, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, yeah, I was just going to say, I, mean, I think that's, I mean, this is true in like, no matter how complex you make this sort of smart contract world is, you're still trusting something to happen. That's at like, the end, know, yeah. So if you had these sort of other versions of prediction markets, all they're really doing is, you know, saying that, all right, well, let's take a fact. And instead of it being like 10 people that are signing to this and then you trust them, we're just going to have a million people, anybody in the world could try and sign to this. And it's really this whole incentive gambling mechanism to try and figure out, oh, well, which one is correct? It's like, well, you probably don't need to do that. You could probably just get the, the 10 guys that actually report on it. So that's kind of how we do trust as humans. Like, So that's probably good enough. Unless, you you know, maybe if you're betting 10 squillion dollars, then, you know, you do want to have everybody in the world vouch for the thing. But it's probably inefficient. And I think that's, yeah, that's the sort of stuff that just gets missed, like, We've had this um, this view that there's like a, a core difference between Ethereum and Bitcoin, 
that can be summarized in the answer to like so you know so nick zarbo's got his quote which is like the trusted third parties and security holes yeah and i feel like the the bitcoin response to this is all right let's not have a trusted third party let's just have the two parties and the ethereum response to this is okay let's make the third party a computer so in the ethereum world you still always have this third party it just happens to be a computer and then now you need to trust the computer and the problem with that is it's hard to trust a computer because most people don't audit any of the code <laughs> and then you find out that there's actually a whole bunch of stuff that they can do in that code that maybe they didn't <laughs> they didn't tell you up front so it's not as trusted as it could be it's not like it's you know it's nothing magic it's just code that someone's written so it will have its issues and they probably will want to have some backdoors to it oh yeah whereas the bitcoin version would be okay well what we'll do is we just let like that guy have a multi-sig key and so we need to make sure we trust him <laughs> and then it's just a bit more real world because it just comes down to services and markets and reputation so but i mean that's already happening with with um uh sorry with with uh, certain services you know like like casa right you could do a multi-sig <laughs> setup with them and they hold one of the keys yeah, you know, so there is still an aspect of. I mean, it's still you know you you still don't. Uh, I mean, you still hold the majority, but at the end of the day, they are still one of the three. You know, so yeah. there is an aspect of trust that must, or I shouldn't say must, but you know, that yeah can occur. So I think yeah. So and some, yeah, you might trust Casa to vouch for various different facts because they've earned this reputation over time, right? So this could be like a service that they would bolt onto their their offering is like oh we're going to vouch for a bunch of facts about i don't know the weather <laughs> so well, maybe maybe weather data is useful well you know what don't, they, don't build your entire fucking blockchain about it but... <laughs> well you know what though you know it would be a use case think about it they yeah. they they could they could offer a, a service having to do with node statistics yeah you know or something like that and they would be, they could be a reliable source of node statistics. Yeah. Or maybe hash rate or something like that, right? So cash vouchers for the hash rate. And that hash rate is very important to miners to look at derivative project, like products around. How do they short hash rate going up to maintain their exposure? I don't know. That's a Jack Manless thing. I think <laughs> maybe interesting, something like that. But he's always talked about these futures markets for miners based on hash rate. Well, to do that, you need a hash rate price stream, so okay, or hash rate information market. So Casa could produce that, and that's a service that they offer, and they they'll do it reliably. But every time you place a bet on it, you need to have a fee that goes to Casa, mm -hmm. and they'll they'll back that up for you. Like so, you can see that you could see something like a Bitmex doing it. I mean, you came out with a good one on Twitter yesterday, which was around insurance, yeah. which I think makes a lot of sense because you just say, all right, well, I'm going to make a payment of one, and you will pay me. 10 in event if event x happens in time n and that's that's an insurance contract and say okay well well then you say okay at the end of n i can roll it forward by paying x again so every time i pay x i get n n's worth of cover and all of a sudden you just you've now got streaming insurance <laughs> and then you say okay well who's the third party in that because you and the insurance company the peer maybe the third party is a network of all insurance companies so they're actually incentivized to do each other over and make the payout if it happens. <laughs> or maybe it's like a, a regulator. Now, a regulator doesn't have to be a government regulator. It could just be an independent body of regulators that monitor insurance that we all trust. 
sort of thing. So you, I think with this little hook that allows you to enforce the transaction, there's there's other things that you could do. Yeah, I think could be quite interesting. So that's why I was I was keen. I was like, I, I'm, I'm not going to build any of these companies right now in my spare time. But I think it could be interesting for people to to know that like this is an option for how you could do it. And then we could actually just work this out as a standard. Because if you could start making some of these more trustless products in Bitcoin, I think there's actually money in Bitcoin to do something with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so I think we'll want these things in the future. I mean, the bit that, that really interests me is how you could do like a trustless non-custodial bank. So I've always had yes. one of my more controversial opinions of lightning is that i i don't think that lightning is a payment network necessarily it's always looked to me more like a liquidity balancing network so i see it more like it's like interbank liquidity than payments in the sense that like something like a libor or something like that in the in the eu where you say okay well you've got all these banks the banks issue almost like the promissory notes is what we use for the daily transaction but any anybody else who gets one of those notes can redeem it with the bank and then uh, that bank can get the money back from those guys so it's kind of managing that part of the transaction so if you i don't know if you looked into like scottish free banking or anything like that so you hear like um no. i think maybe like george selgin and lawrence white and those guys i think i came across it listening to crypto voices back in the day but they talk about free banking in scotland and they say like the idea was any bank could issue its own money but that money basically had to be reserved because if i take the bank of scotland note over to the royal bank of scotland then the royal bank of scotland can take those notes and get the money back from the bank of scotland and if the bank of scotland doesn't have the correct reserves in there well the royal bank of scotland's going to fuck them up because <laughs> they'll just wander over and nick the gold <laughs> and so you ended up with this like enforced trust model because banks could run banks and banks were incentivized to do a run on another bank because they could put that bank out of business if it got too risky with its reserves and i so i for a long time i've been thinking you know similar to like the safety model that that we or like nick carter would talk about this as well and he said that you, you could just have bitcoin banks that issue these things and then the banks just settle amongst the banks on the base chain but they could also just settle amongst themselves on lightning and then all of a sudden you've got way more banks that you could you could support in this manner so you could almost have like a bank per village mm -hmm. in this world because and they're just constantly settling amongst themselves but that settlement would be instant so it's not like you've got the guy in scotland who has to load up his horse and cart because this i mean this worked when you had a bunch of paper that a guy put in a horse and cart trotted across town oh yeah gave to a guy and he gave him some gold and this worked to maintain that monetary. They say, well, but it was just take that. But then now, yeah. Sorry. No, no. I was just gonna say was it was gonna say, but, it was localized. Yeah. And you say, well, now you can do it, but it's anywhere in the world. But any of those banks can settle across Lightning. And so you say, if you thought your reserves were at risk before, well, how at risk are they going to be when you've got, you know, somebody that can settle any of your promissory notes? in four, like four milliseconds from anywhere in the world, you're going to be like, yeah, fuck, I think I'll keep this one full reserved. <laughs> and so I think you end up in this situation where you could do Bitcoin yeah. banking over Lightning with um, promissory notes, and it would just naturally end up being full reserve. But then the question is, well, could we go one better? So is there a way 
And I think this is why I've been so interested in this like kind of hook into the base transaction is that could I offer a promissory note in a way that you could redeem it even if I like fucked off or <laughs> or like that it was redeemable on the blockchain, but we, we just didn't bother because it, it wasn't required. And so there's some interesting way like Scrit Cash is looking at this as doing um, Charmian eCash basically over like a federation of servers. So I don't know if they back that by Bitcoin or not. I, I have a feeling that you don't, I think there's a way to do this where you don't actually need the federation. Like, I think you could probably do it just over lightning with hmm. some sort of non-custodial things. Let's say like the, the way we described it a minute ago was like, that's a custodial version, which is that the bank has the money and then they issue the certificates. I think there could be a way of doing this where the bank is really just a certificate issuer that validates that you've got money locked up, but you've got the money locked up yourself. And then this is just a way of somebody else helping with the redeem script that allows that to be used as cash. So I, I it's, if that's, that's an area that I, I find infinitely fascinating, but <laughs> I don't know the answer to, but I'm like, that's what I, that's mainly what I was thinking about when this idea came into my head. And I was like, right, I'll get this one out. Cause then I don't, I won't keep thinking about it. <laughs> that's right. No, that's <laughs> give it, good. Give it somebody else. <laughs> but yeah, I, but I wonder if like, there's something in this that will allow that because again it gives you this version of well if we know it's going to settle a certain way how can we mess around with the outputs so that we can do some interesting things off chain with this yeah because then you would solve the because i i think the and the reason i say like, i don't feel like lightning works but it doesn't feel like a payment network not that it isn't but mm. it's just that it's the liquidity issue as much as anything else like i i mean routing i think will go away over time but like the inbound liquidity thing is odd and the mm. fact that like it would be nice if the banks managed liquidity as it were but i could just give you this thing and you said ah oh, cool i can take that i run a check in the background with my bank to make sure it's redeemable and then i just it's done but like there doesn't necessarily need to be liquidity between us and it, it might be that i'm just over complicating it but I, I feel like something like that will end up appearing on top of lightning but i mean the liquidity issue though is going to get solved um i uh, i just don't remember what the implementation is or if it is the channel factories but the you know the ability to essentially group channels so that way you know you can actually you know you can actually sit there and and um you know you can let's say group let's say multiple let's say multiple lightning nodes and their channels to pass along one massive payment. And when that payment yeah. clears it, then they, they split back up again, you know? Oh yeah. So that would be like the multi-part payment. Yes, or, exactly. The multi-part yeah. payments. Thank you. Oh, well, I think this is more like your channel liquidity. It could be that that's always just the way it works, but it's so, interesting. So the idea there would be that you still need to set up inbound channels to have that. Yeah, you do. So we're still locking up the stuff. Whereas I wonder if there's a way that like I could have a certificate that just entitles me to some Bitcoin and I could give that certificate to you in a way that you know I no longer know the passcode to it. And that that allows you to redeem that Bitcoin that was mine. So like what does okay, a, okay, I get it. Okay. a non-custodial promissory note look like? So I think if you had that, then 
these things are effectively like little files that we can go for a process of exchange so you know i no longer have the key to it and you have the key to it and you can validate that and then you can say okay well i accept that payment i think there's a i think there's an answer there like that's it's not something i i've actually like fully drawn out yet but i mean that's that's like a good area of investigation i was gonna say i think we've i think we've stepped outside of the uh, the realm of of, of logic with that no but it's i i like it i i like it because like that's that's the kind of stuff that's gonna you know it's you know if we think if we think about the ideas that already exist then we're simply just creating ghosts of the past you, you you know what I mean? Like this is this is thinking about the stuff that doesn't exist, that's extremely complex, that seems impossible, or not impossible, but seems highly unlikely currently, but hmm. can be done with you know with enough with enough effort and enough you yeah. know. Yeah, research. I guess I kind of think of it as like banks and promissory notes and credit are all things that exist and they all got built out in a it's called quasi free market <laughs> so there's there's probably a good reason to them even if we don't like their current implementation around that there's you know like 20 guys in a room over there that actually run the whole thing <laughs> so then you say well, well what would it look like to have the same concept of credit and the same concept of promissory notes but without this reliance on the central bank so if we say that bitcoin is be your own bank it's like yeah okay but a bank does multiple things so so layer one bitcoin might be be your own bank in the sense that it's okay well banks do settle you know base money between each other on a quarterly basis so maybe that's your layer one aspect of being your own bank your layer two is that you do actually have accounts with other banks and you do you know, make charges on a daily basis. And that's kind of like liquid. And then your layer three is that you actually advance credit to people against your bank. So that could be your your channels or something like that, that you could provide a channel to somebody for a fee. Because if they use your channel, then you always take a, a 0.001% routing fee as they put through. So that's almost like what a credit card could look like in a lightning world. Mm -hmm. And then a bank also issues notes. So what would a note issue look like for a bank? And would that be useful in a different way where we didn't want credit? So maybe you can get a note from a bank at 0.005% or a credit line from a bank at a 0.001% sort of thing. Maybe that's what it looks like. And then I think the people that run Bitcoin nodes and Lightning nodes now, I think you're, that's going to be like a bank in the future. Yeah? But it might be a bank for the village. Yeah. I mean, I think these things are going to be... So I think you still end up with the concept like, because I, I just can't my mum will not run a bitcoin node no but but she could have an app on her phone that connects to my bitcoin node and that's no i think that that's fine yeah i agree <laughs> but then and i might decide to waive my fee for my mum <laughs> because god god damn it she's done things for me in the past <laughs> she may my have been good <laughs> yeah no he's paying double yeah, where's my brother? Like he's he's paying ten percent. <laughs> he can he can learn himself. But you know, you could have like that sort of I think that sort of concept where you end up with more of a community banking approach. But I think there's other banking services that we we kinda just we forget about it in the BU. Oh no, I'm my own bank because layer one Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, but that's only one function of the bank. Maybe there's other things that you could do. So I, I think I could see it that sort of stuff developing. 
in there. I'm just sort of flicking through that um, GitHub article and see if there's anything that we haven't really. I think we talked about the main concepts. There's, there's a lot more detail. Oh yeah. But I don't know if it's going to get described well over the <laughs> over a podcast. I guess the the concept that really stuck me, which I think underpins a lot of this, is just this concept of like a hash pre-image, which where you've got this this mass of nonsense <laughs> that that could be generated anyway, and the secret really is in well, how do I generate that specific piece of nonsense? And because that can be used to unlock a transaction, then all of a sudden, like that gives us this little hook that says, all right, well, I'll pay that transaction if you can figure out that nonsense. And you go, okay. But, and then I share how you figure out that nonsense. And then there's a secret that becomes available at some point in time, which is the final bit that allows you to do it. Like that sort of thing, I think, is that's what's cool. It's really the concept that allows all these little hooks in and out of the system to say, like, it doesn't need to be moved or given to somebody else we can just say you can execute a particular transaction if you can come up with a nonsense and like that's it just gives you this little hook to your bitcoin world which i think that's quite powerful and that's like worth looking at like what can we do with that as a concept i agree man <laughs> this is this like flew by i gotta tell you pete uh, this is uh, how long have we been on oh man over over an hour Oh, okay. Yeah. No, we've we've honestly, uh, man. Like, I, I think you're definitely gonna you're gonna you're gonna cause some uh, some head scratching. You're definitely gonna cause some head scratching, and hopefully. hopefully, hopefully, you're gonna you know you're gonna start some. Uh, it's gonna help start some conversation. You know. Yeah. Got me thinking. So. Yeah. But um. Well, as I say, I'd be keen for somebody to just hmm? <laughs> like just look at this and tell me I'm wrong, or that well, Greg Maxwell's done it, or that. Like, or actually just take it and build something because I don't know. I often stick the license on here, but I generally do everything under like a Creative Commons license mm. so that people can just take it and use, do commercial reuse on it. I'm not really that precious about IP. I have strong feelings about how IP doesn't exist, so yeah. it would be wrong of me. To... <laughs> Man, you wouldn't be a Bitcoiner if you didn't have some type of aspect like that, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry no, okay. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say because uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, and I, I just wanted to know if you you know if you had any final thoughts for the uh, you know the fun with Bitcoin uh, podcast listeners. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess one of the reasons I I put this out was like my New Year's resolution this week is I've been lurking on like Bitcoin Twitter for a couple of years and slowly like getting to know people, and I've just always been a little bit. Um, worried that i was a bit of a charlatan if i tried to do anything like this so <laughs> so my new year's resolution this this year was to say all right well all my background is in like sort of management consulting and design of stuff so why don't i just pretend in my free time that i am now a consultant to bitcoin and then just start doing some of that work for free in public <laughs> but and then like you know if it ever ends up that <laughs> In the way that, like, you know, Bitcoin's got no CAO, but it's got a marketing department. It's all these great podcasts. I was like, all right, well, maybe it needs some consultants, and then I can just think about this stuff. And if I do it in public, then if anybody else wants to think about it as well, then we can develop the idea. So I, I see this. I'm not, like, precious about this as an idea. Like, it could just be completely wrong. But I think it'd be nice to have, if there's people out there that don't code and are worried that they don't, they can't build the thing, then 
like maybe that we need to get together and start thinking about well what are some of these ideas that we can flesh out to a design level mm -hmm. that somebody else can come along and code at some point in the future hopefully that'll be useful and, and people can pick it up so I, i'm probably going to publish a whole bunch more stuff like this it's my idea is like over the next few months i'll start ramping up with a little bit of a website where you can find it all it'll all be in github it'll all be creative commons license so you can pick it up and do what you want with it so that's awesome I'll, I'll just do that as my as my my thing well <laughs> at least it gives me something i can do i i hope i really do hope that uh, that you get a lot of engagement on this you know because that that's how that's how ideas uh, you know that's how things are born you know so yeah. That's fantastic. And beyond that, I love talking about Bitcoin. So if anybody just wants to sit for <laughs> an hour and drink a beer and talk about Bitcoin, let me know because there's not so many people over here that I can do that with. And, you know, my wife's only got so much patience for me telling her this stuff. You know, I can describe this to a five-year-old, but he says he gets it, but I don't think he does. <laughs> oh, that, hey, look, that's okay. But that's a good audience, right? Because once you get him to get it... Then you know. Then, uh, then you my, know you've. I, then you know you've done the good job of compressing the narrative. Well, every now and again, he will have a, a lightning node that would be on the TV, and he'll go, oh, "Dad, can we send some lightning to the telly?" Now I'll, I'll just be like sending a lightning transaction from one node to another node. And it's like, yeah, look, there it is. There <laughs> it's it like is. got no concept, but it's like he's got. They've read. I've got two kids. They both had read the Bitcoin Money book. They they understand that Bitcoin is a thing. Every cool. time we play like shops or anything so like, oh, how much how much bitcoin is this cup of sand and they're like oh it's 10 10 bitcoin <laughs> like you'll mm. you'll do well <laughs> if you can sell a cup of sand for 10 bitcoin yep you'll be you'll be solid <laughs> i want them to help me if that's what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly we'll, we'll sell it online <laughs> exactly um so if people want to uh if people want to reach you uh what's what's the best way to reach you uh twitter Twitter it's probably best. Like I'm on that a fair amount of time. I think it's Pete underscore Win, <laughs> but I think that's right. Yep, that's uh, Pete underscore Win. We will add this to the uh, to the show notes yeah. for the podcast. Yeah. So uh, I think the website the website where I'm going to put all the information is on something called Humans Institute. So I'm probably going to put everything on there, but it'll all be linked in github as well you so have that in your uh, you have that in your twitter profile so i'll add that to the show I notes believe as well. i made it yeah i had it yeah. yesterday it's that's that's new for this year was my was my thing so he's coming out that's cool. awesome no we really appreciate it <laughs> man this is awesome do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like candy satin <laughs> Um, so look, man, it's been, it's been absolutely awesome having you on my pod. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, man, I hope to, uh, hope to get you on again. Yeah, it was great. All right. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Pete Wynn. I, I, look, I have no idea if this can be done, if it can't be done. I'm definitely not, you know, technical at that level to be able to explain it, but possibly, you know, maybe some of the listeners out there maybe or may know somebody who is or that may be interested in, you know, trying to actually make this, you know, make this actually happen. So anyways, uh, links will be in the show notes to, uh, you know, to his Git and all of, all of Pete Wynn's information. And of course, if you want to contact me on Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to send me an email, I'm CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. 
And if you want to support the show, you can head on over to moetarags.com, go to All Clothing, and go to the Fun with Bitcoin podcast and check out our swag. And if you want to check out, you know, just, uh, you know, the uh, all everything that is Fun with Bitcoin, you can head on over to our website, funwithbitcoin.com. All right, guys, stack hard, have a great rest of the week, and I'll catch you all next time.